Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Pretty good bye week, honestly, for the Indianapolis Colts. One of the better Sundays of the year. A sad reality, but nonetheless, it was a positive development in the race for a higher draft pick. I'm Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with me here, Kevin's Corner, as we return from the bye week. Four games left for the Indianapolis Colts. A lot to get to on today's pod, looking ahead to those final four. What should we be watching for? Playoff odds, minuscule. It's really a shame we can hit on it. You know, on the podcast, you see a Titans team reeling. You see a Titans team that's fired their GM. They've lost three in a row, two straight by a combined 39 points, and you're in no position whatsoever to take advantage of that. I think that that was the sour taste from Sunday. Outside of that, though, again, a lot of positive developments for the Colts having the weekend off. Eddie Garrison, always good to see you. How are you on this Tuesday morning? Likewise, uh, I'm doing well. Sounds like you're feeling a little better too. Uh, before we get into the serious stuff and the serious juice of the podcast, did you watch the match over the weekend? Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't think you were going there. Yeah, you. Hey, usually we go golf this early, man. That's when we can lose a lot of listeners. But yes, I did watch a little bit of the match. Had to get your tiger, yeah, talk out of the way there for a second. Thank you. Uh, he looked old. It's he been a minute since we've talked Tiger. That's why I had to well, throw it in there thank now. Thank you for that. He didn't look Matt Ryan old, but he looked maybe Matt Ryan like in September old uh, is how Tiger looked. But happy to see him back out there. He'll be back out there this weekend with his son, Charlie. And uh, we'll see what he looks like come that second weekend <laughs> and hopefully weekend of April at Augusta National. Um, let's begin here, Eddie. Again, good news from the weekend. You move up to the seventh spot. The Jags help you out. The Panthers help you out. Um, if you look at who's above you right now in the draft order, and we'll, we'll update this, I think, every week now. I think this is this is the new playoff standing Let's watch. Let's go. You know, this, this is just where we're at in mid-December. But I see Chicago, and I see Philly above you, two teams that don't need a quarterback. And you can get into a debate about Detroit or Arizona. Arizona, I think a lot will depend on first Kyler Murray's health. I mean, if he tore his ACL, that's something you got to acknowledge. And then... Certainly, what their organization looks like from a regime standpoint. Do they move on from their current group? If they do that, that oftentimes lends to a different direction at quarterback. So, I think it's pretty good news on the draft order front. Obviously, you could have gotten a little more help last night, but you got to be pre- pleased overall. And you know what, Eddie? I'm watching Sunday Night Football, and it's Miami and Tua, and the Chargers and Herbert. And I think if you're a Colts fan and you watch that, after you get over the what could have been had you executed some big trade up in that 2020 draft, you've got to be excited to see those two quarterbacks on their rookie deals, having their teams in the thick of playoff races. Mm-hmm. And they were the fifth and sixth overall picks. They didn't go one and two. I mean, they were the second and third quarterback taken in that draft with Joe Burrow, of course, going one overall. Um, and again, in a range right where the Colts are likely to be, as long as they don't screw it up and win a couple here late in the season, 
you just watch those two teams, and I know two has struggled a bit on Sunday night, but I just I sense excitement when I watch them. I sense explosiveness. I sense a on any given play, something big can happen. And that is not something I've ever uttered about the 2022 Indianapolis Colts. And I probably haven't uttered about a Colts quarterback in quite some time. Um, It's just too methodical, even when it's going well for the Colts. I think you need to have that jolt and that opportunity to create something. And I think those two guys provide that. So, again, I think that's where... I think if you're a Colts fan, you come out of the bye week excited in that you moved up in the draft order. You also watch Sunday Night Football... Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a similar blueprint to how April might look for you. Again, I know it's a different quarterback class, but still, just the range of where you're drafting. I'd say the one negative coming out of Sunday, Eddie, though, is I'll go back to what I said earlier. How many times in October and November did we say, if you get to nine wins, that's going to be enough to win this division? Eight, maybe enough. Maybe eight. You know, it just, Tennessee is not a great football team. No. Injuries have played a role into it without question. But it's just the sad state of the AFC South in that it is once again handing you gifts and you drop them. I'm picturing the gif in the office where Kevin drops the soup. The chili? Chili. Thank you. Um, That's what I'm picturing the Colts doing to the AFC South. That's what Tennessee's trying to do. They're doing it to Jacksonville. They're doing it to Indy. They're doing it to Houston. And you are unable to corral it and to be fair that chili did look a little hot a little wobbly so i don't want to act like the easiest (laughs) thing to carry but eddie look at look at the afc right now if the colts were in any other division they'd be eliminated from the playoffs already Mm -hmm. technically they're not because tennessee's sitting there at seven and six and not one team with a positive point differential just the greatest division in football god bless it man god bless it but yet for the umpteenth year in a row you're an unable to insert yourself into that race and be a serious contender. So again, I know big picture, there's a lot of encouraging signs exiting the bye week, but in the short term, there was a little bit of knife in the side of like, dude, even if they were 6-6-1, six, 5-7, six just one more win, yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind of like, hey, what are you watching for? And now it's like, oh, you need to go 4-0 and, oh, and Tennessee's got to go 1-3 and three or you know something crazy. Um, to close out the year. So, did want to mention that before we get in the pod. Yeah, just going back and looking at that 2020 draft, like, oh my goodness, that draft was loaded. Yeah, and walk me through two, three, and four. A lot of defensive guys, right? Chase Young, two. Jeff Okuda, three. And Andrew Thomas was four. Okay, was it Derek Brown that then went after the quarterbacks? Correct. Derek Brown went after the quarterbacks, yes. And again, for those that don't recall, the Colts sat there at 13 overall. And traded for DeForest Buckner. After the 7-9 and nine season with Jacoby Brissett, yes, traded for DeForest Buckner. And that was the path that they decided to take. And you guys have heard me talk about that. I get hindsight is super 2020. But I was about to say, that could be like the real start of like kind of like the downfall yeah, and, and of again, the future when you look at the players that were taken in that range, like Tristan Wurst, Javon Kinlaw, Jerry Judy, A.J. Terrell, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, and again, downfall is probably... It's probably a good word to use, Eddie. That was your first opportunity to make a make a move at QB. Yeah. Post luck. And I've said this so many times, and I'll say it again. You know, the day Andrew Luck shocks the world, you bring everybody into your building if you're Chris Bauer and you say, 
We're scouting these 2020 quarterbacks to the nth degree. We have got to prepare and see how and where we can find it. And when you're sitting there at 13 overall, you look at where Buffalo was at first when they got Josh Allen, mm-hmm. where Kansas City was at first when they got Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they're actually bigger trade-ups and for both of those organizations. Baltimore, I think, would fall into a similar boat with Lamar Jackson. And in that case, Eddie, you know, you, you rattled off two, three, and four. You had three teams that you know you could have called all those teams and seen what sort of trade package you could have put out there and kind of forced them to say no. So you jump Miami, you jump the Chargers in both of those cases. I guess let's just get to it here, Eddie. Stuff to look for now in these final four games. I think it's a very difficult thing to grasp for Colts fans and like what should we be watching for this and that. Let's start with the starting quarterback decision. It is still Matt Ryan. Um, my thoughts when I heard that yesterday probably went a little bit, well, a couple different different directions. For one, I thought to myself, WTF. Yeah, that was one of them. Um, I guess I thought this, Eddie. Is he really the best option in that building? And if that's the case, what a sorry, sorry state of a quarterback room. When Matt Ryan is your best option, the guy that leads the NFL in turnovers, the guy that clearly looks old, and that he is your best option here with four games to go in the season. Um, again, I have long said, I said on last week's podcast, he should be benched. I would go with, I'd probably go with Sam Ellinger over Foles, but I could listen to Foles. There's a huge financial component of $17 million due that would weigh into that for me. Um, the other thing I thought of is, when you stink in the NFL, don't also be old at quarterback. Mm-hmm. The Colts stink, and they're old at quarterback. Matt Ryan is on pace to start, what, it'll be 15 of 17 games? So think about that. You're looking at a team that's going to go, let's say they go 5-11-1, or well, I don't even know what it all adds up to, but that sounds something right. Let's say they do that. And you've started a 37-year-old quarterback who does not look like he can be a serviceable starter for a playoff-caliber team at all, and he will have started 90% of your games? That's, that's a waste of a season. It's an absolute waste of a season. And I get that internally the Colts don't want to think like that, and it's hard to, but it's the reality. When you suck and you're old, it's a bad year. And this has been a very bad season for the Annapolis Colts. No matter what happens, really, in these final four games. And just the decision itself to go with Saturday, it's like, excuse me, go with Ryan by Jeff Saturday. Things have to be so perfect around him to give you the level of play you need from him. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think you're built offensively to provide that perfect level around him. You know, I also thought to myself, what does this mean for Sam Ellinger? Like, what is Sam Ellinger going into next year? Is he your backup? Is he your third stringer? Do you still have this awkward, like, hmm, we're somewhat intrigued. I'd like to see Ellinger a little bit more. Well, you had an opportunity this year, golden opportunity, to play him more, and you chose not to there. Um, You know, the 49ers, I mean, they're getting an answer on Brock Purdy right now. 
at least they're going to have something, and they don't necessarily need it. They're not in a desperate quarterback situation. You know, obviously, Trey Lance is still someone that they're very, very intrigued by. But those were just some of my running thoughts. Maybe the bye week and the rest on his shoulder, Eddie, will serve Matt Ryan well. Certainly, there's no passing defense in the NFL you'd rather play right now than the Vikings. They're dead last in the NFL in pass defense. They're dead last in the NFL in total defense. They've allowed over 400 yards total offense in each of the last five games. Harrison Smith, one of the more reliable players they have at safety, missed last week's game. Well, it sounds like he's got a chance to play Saturday, but that'll be something to monitor. Um, but yeah, I would say just in general, when I saw that news, I just thought, what a sad reality of you think he's the best guy. And again, he's been the QB for, you know, if he starts his final four games, nearly 90% of the season, and you suck. It's a bad, that's a bad combo. Yeah. I mean, Peyton Manning, when you sucked at 3-13, and 13, you at least had youth. You at least had Manning baptism by fire. Yeah. the most picks in NFL history. What happens the second season? Boom. You know, that those sorts of strides that you see these young quarterbacks make, you know, Chicago's probably feeling some of that with Justin Fields right now. Colts aren't feeling any of that. Mm-mm. Here are three justifications that I could think of. I said a couple of these yesterday um, on, I think we're calling this the Fan Midday Show for the for the time being with uh, Jimmy Cook and Brendan King. I said, here are... Fun listen with you, with you Trio. Appreciate that. Um, here's here's the one that I brought up to those two, and I said, "Look, the Colts still have a three percent chance, or whatever it is, to make the playoffs. In the NFL, you are playing your butt off until you are fully eliminated, which the Colts could be fully eliminated with the loss on Saturday to the Minnesota Vikings. The only reason why I think Matt Ryan is still being trotted out there is because you have that three percent chance. Okay. And then I forget." I think I was listening to Charlie Clifford in for John yesterday, and he made an interesting point that he thought it made sense that they stayed with Matt Ryan because of what's at stake for Minnesota and not coming out of the bye week and going to Minnesota because if Minnesota wins, they clinch their division. And you roll out Sam Ellinger on the road against Minnesota, who's trying to win their division. It just wouldn't bode well for the Colts. But isn't the bye week the, the the time to turn to a younger I guy? I totally agree with you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I I side a little bit more with your first point than your second. Yeah, and I do think internally that's how they view it. Yeah, we're not officially eliminated. We're not going to make such a move. What was there one more point, Eddie, that you had on that front? Yeah, but this wasn't pertaining to what you said or about the Colts situation. This was more about the San Francisco operation and. Brock Purdy, I was listening to uh, Brandon Marshall, the former wide receiver in the NFL, I forget what podcast he does, but he mentioned something about how Shanahan's quarterbacks will always excel if they do their job because he is such a system guy to where if people come in and do their jobs around him, they're going to succeed rather than like here in Indianapolis and some other positions where it, it revolves around the quarterback versus the other 10 guys that are around him. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You know, I also think there's a level of this in the NFL, and I know it's very difficult with day three picks, um, but at some point you've got to be willing to throw that quarterback into the fire. Now, San Francisco's in a position to where they have no choice. But, you know, when you draft these QBs on day three, I would say so much of their failure or inability to ever secure some spot in the NFL 
a big part of that is because you've never given them a chance. Yeah. And you're hesitant, you're scared, you're unwilling, whatever. Um, and again, I know San Francisco, they're backed into a corner. The Colts necessarily are not. But I think that's something to keep in mind You know, when you're evaluating these young quarterbacks. Before we get to Twitter questions, Eddie, a couple of things I want to get to. Yeah, I was going to ask you about one of the things on your list. Yeah, go ahead and throw that. Uh, obviously, Bernard Ryman's left tackle feature, that's something to watch out for. The draft order, we've already kind of touched on it. But number four for can, me. Can I start there with Ryman before we go to yeah. the one that you like? Because I think this is the biggest individual storyline in the final four games. I agree. If Bernard Ryman can show you at the end of the season, Eddie, will you look up how many starts he's had so far this year? It's probably, what, six-ish, something like that. If all of a sudden you're getting to double-digit starts with him and you get to the end of the year and you're like, hey. Seven. Seven starts for him? Okay, so it would be 11 if he continues to start the rest of the season? Hey, this guy can be our left tackle of the future. It's a little bit of guesswork, some educated guess behind it. But now all of a sudden, Eddie, you potentially have crossed off one of the biggest needs on your football team yeah. moving forward. And again, really with Ryman, it's probably more just give me one answer or the other. Give me an answer of yes, which would be ideal, of course. But if the answer is no, then you're not flirting and, and doing this weird little thing with him again next year to where you're throwing him out there, but you feel like you still need to go get a vet like that. Um, so I, I think individually, no one I'll be watching more than Bernard Ryman, who I do think has had a couple of better stretches here as of late than him down the stretch. And again, I know that Minnesota's defense has struggled, but from a Zedarius Smith standpoint to a Daniil Hunter, uh, we'll see about Joey Bosa next week, but you know, certainly Khalil Mack, you know, the Giants have some guys. I mean, you, you, you still are going to see some rushers, not who you saw the last two games in the Cowboys and the Steelers, but no one for me, Eddie, individually, has a bigger close of the season or a more attention one than Mr. Ryman. You have this number four on your list, and I think it's one of the more intriguing questions that we've always asked ever since he took over as the interim head coach in the Jeff Saturday evaluation. That's the one that sticks out to me out of these nine because it's like, how do you evaluate a guy on an interim basis? Like, exactly. You know, if this was a visual podcast, Eddie, what did I just do? I just threw my hands up in the air. Shrugged your shoulders shrugged a little him. bit. I shrugged him, man. I don't have a good answer for you. Does the record matter a lot or a little? Will Jim Irsay put his emotions to the side in comparing Saturday to other candidates? Was the bye week like what Saturday needed to kind of recharge and maybe he'll get to the end of the year and he won't look at this as an eight-game grind. He'll be like, that was kind of fun. And the bye week felt the perfect time for him to kind of look at it like that. Um, it's just, it's such a difficult answer to provide and exactly what does the evaluation look like for him. You know, Jim Irsay does what Jim Irsay wants to do. I think I laid that out last week when we had a kind of our head coaching candidate podcast. For those that missed it, definitely want to check that one out. Um, but as much as Ursay does what he wants, Eddie, he's also a human being. And they put Jeff Saturday's high school football record in the press release when they announced his hire back a month and a half ago. If you hire him permanently, are you going to put in there a 1-7 in seven record as an interim head coach? And, you know, who knows? They probably won't lose the Texans and 
And, I mean, honestly, if you look at Vegas, Vegas is giving the Colts a great shot on Saturday. Spreads four. I think I would surprise a lot of people seeing that. So Wow. The Jeff Saturday evaluation, again, I don't have a great answer for you on what exactly we're looking for. I've kind of laid out the good and bad so far. You've gotten off the better starts. Your offensive line has played a little bit better. You still can't close. You still can't score. And you're one and three. That sounds like what this football team was like under Frank Reich. So, um, it's something to watch. What are we looking for exactly? I'm a bit unsure, but I think just those trends. Do anything anything changes substantially? And, and there is probably an element of like when Saturday, when they are eliminated, Eddie. How do they look after that? You know, because I do think that's kind of an indictment on you know how guys look at their head coach. Also interesting to, to also think about too, KB, is that like. You go from Sam Elling, you go from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger under head coach Frank Reich. Saturday comes in and he goes back to Matt Ryan. And then how much of a you know what show would it be if they went back to Sam? I know. Not I think yet. that's another part of this too that sometimes we forget about is like how much of a laughing stock would the Indianapolis Colts be if they went back to Sam Ellinger with still, you know, that glimmer, that ever so small glimmer of hope. Of making the playoffs. It's something um, my morning co-host, Jake Quarry, and I disagree on. Jake often says that he thinks that Chris Ballard, Jim Mersey, and Jeff Saturday are all going into a, are all kind of um, different view in how they want these last four games to go. I think they all want them to win. Win now. Ursay wants Saturday to work out. He wants wins on that resume to show to people this can work. Ballard wants to win because, again, when you fire your coach midseason, what that does is you're saying the coach is the issue, not necessarily the roster. So Ballard wants the roster to do well, so he, at the end of the year, can say, again, it was more of a coaching change that was needed. This was a good enough roster. If Saturday would have been here for longer stretches, we would have played better football, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think those are some things to keep in mind. A couple other things I'll be watching for. They kind of fall into two categories. More opportunities for rookies and or do we see any strong lasting impressions from your free agents? Are there any rookies in particular that you would like to see get more opportunities? I didn't understand at all the usage of Jelani Woods in that Dallas game. I'd like to see more Jelani. I'd like to see more Alec Pierce underneath. You know, Pierce talked about it yesterday. He was very honest in saying you know, getting in and out of his breaks, particularly at the top of his routes, is an area that he needs to work on. I think he is a little sloppy in that area. And any separation that he might have created before that, it kind of gets eliminated. The DB can swallow him up a little bit. And if you look at Pierce, how much is that stuff just so contested underneath Mm -hmm. with him? Reminder, he's one of the worst receivers in the NFL when it comes to average yards of separation. I think last potty was like second worst. Yeah, I remember you bringing that up, which again does not shock me at all. Uh, What about Nick Cross? Do we see him at all in the final four games? Dallas Flowers, see him at corner at all? Is there some Isaiah Rogers you know, defense in him, or is it more of a you know, special teams role? We kind of forget they spent two somewhat notable day three picks on defensive tackles. Eric Johnson has played a little bit, not too effectively, but what about Curtis Brooks from Cincinnati? Been on your practice squad all year long. Um, so again, Eddie, these guys, it might take the official – elimination from the playoffs to see it but I think that is something to keep an eye on 
you know, free agent wise, you you look at the group, and I'll just run down some of the notable names. Paris Campbell, Matt Pryor, Dennis Kelly, Yannick Ngakwe, Ben Banigou, Tyquan Lewis, Bobby Okereke, EJ Speed, Brandon Faison, Roddy McLeod, Chase McLaughlin. Bring back, what, two or three of those guys? Campbell, McLaughlin, and then, like, are you standing on a table for anybody else? Maybe Bobby O. Maybe. A lot of that probably depends on how you view Shaquille Leonard, how you view how much money you want to invest at linebacker. You know, Ngakwe is on pace for, like, an 11-sack season. Be the second most of his career. If you would have told Colts fans at the start of the year, Yannick Ngakwe will play every game and have 11 sacks, they'd say, where do we sign up? <laughs> yeah. But yet, Eddie, I sit here on December 13th and think, I don't have this strong conviction on like, 1,000% you give him a blank check, any amount of money in free agency next year. Right. You know, his sacks have just not been... There's been like one. And I know I'm getting a little nitpicky, but... I think there's evidence behind it. I just don't think they're, they've been as impactful as kind of true indicators of him as a rusher that you would like to see. So, again, I think the rookies, I think the free agents you could throw there. And then lastly, and if you have anything else, Eddie, feel free to chime in. But I'll throw in. How as, many Pro Bowlers? As Pro Bowl voting ends this week, um, I think it's something just to keep an eye on because – it matters. It matters to a guy like Grover Stewart, as it should. It matters to a guy like Zaire Franklin, as it should. Two guys that have deserving resumes, but will not get voted into the game because, again, they just don't have name recognition around the league. And to be fair, the defensive tackle group is pretty deep in the AFC. Guys that I could see get voted in, Buckner, maybe Gilmore, maybe Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, he's probably more, and again, maybe they won't do any alternates now that it's a skills competition. But Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, no longer a game, skills competition. You, know, you look at the top three rushers, if I'm not mistaken, in the league right now, I think they're all AFC. And what you have with Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb. So, you know, Taylor probably wouldn't factor into that. But, um, again, that is something... That players enjoy that recognition, as they should. Certainly, seven and a half, or what, seven, seven and a half, seven Pro Bowlers last year, NFL best. That's not happening. But, you know, do they get two? Do they get three? Yeah. Interesting. That'll be interesting to watch. Uh, a couple things before Twitter questions. RIP Mike Leach. Yeah. Um, terrible. Terrible. And I appreciate you bringing that up, Eddie. You know, in a job that has so many robots, so many people that are afraid to open up, Mike Leach was the exact opposite of that. Oh, yes. You talk about, you know, one of the things I love about Edron James, human being that's comfortable in his own skin. That was Mike Leach, man. Just so comfortable. And you look at the jobs he took. Dude's going to Pullman, Washington, having success. He never had a losing record at Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. Just... Such a unique football mind, such a unique human being. And that combination is pretty rare in the profession that he chose. Uh, boy, and just so sudden, obviously, with how everything unfolded on that. I would have loved Mike Leach in the NFL. Just yeah. To see that. I would try to, you know, do an impression of him, but I'm not Joey Molinaro, so I, I can't do that. Looks like we've got a uh, finality to the Purdue head coaching search. Really? Official? 
Um, the Purdue head coaching search has ended, announces Purdue, but no name yet. Nothing like just the absolute tease. You would think if you really liked the coach, wouldn't you announce that the name? Maybe the coach doesn't want it out yet. Maybe the coach is in a bowl game. Got it. Got it. Interesting. Well, nothing says like breaking live news on a podcast that is not live, uh, but we'll update you on the Purdue head coaching search as we get through Twitter questions. Anything, um, Eddie, that I missed? One last thing. The ghost. Yes. He's back. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, it looks like Ryan Walters, Illinois defense coordinator. Oh. So the first defensive hire from Purdue, I think. In, so not the Western Kentucky guy. Since the 80s, I think you got to go back to him. Young dude. How old? Um, I want to say like 36, 38, something like that there. Uh, Sorry, what you asked me about Hilton? The ghost, yes. Thrilled for him. Yeah, I thought Jerry Jones had a great quote today about Hilton saying I've always admired him knew that he was picking his team he had a lot of interest out there he's one of the smartest wide receivers I can remember I'll never forget Andrew Luck going to I forget if it was Ballard or Reich when those two were hired and just being like trust me T.Y. Hilton is a unique unique individual and his ability to have an innate ability to run routes and get open and the timing um, special player, special talent. I like to fit down there. They don't need him to do too much. Um, you know, four games to go, 11 catches, 12 catches, something like that for him. I just to kind of alleviate a little bit of the, hey, we're going to put our third corner on you because we're going to double Lamb and we're going to give some attention to Schultz or Michael Gallup or, hell, Tony Pollard. And can Hilton win? Can he win those matchups? He's been in the playoffs before. I mean, he's had big games in the playoffs before. He's had big moments in the playoffs before. I think all of those things are important, and I think T.Y. Hilton has earned the right to do this. You know, he's earned the right to kind of sit at home, watch his son play varsity football, really for the first, I think, full-time in his you know, young high school life, Eugene being a sophomore here, attending Zinesville High School, just a suburb just northwest of Indy, and then now he can go chase a ring. And again, T.Y.'s earned that right. Jerry Jones' quote, like, he's, he's kind of earned it. I mean, he, he's been admired around the league and there's two coaches on Dallas's staff I think it's worth pointing out you've got Joe Philbin as their O-line coach and you know who one of their offensive assistants is hmm. Scott Tolzien no an offensive assistant for Mike McCarthy if there was any concern about T.Y. being a Debo wideout you would think a quarterback that had been in the oh. same building with that guy yeah. for a couple years would know that and clearly, Scott Tolzien and Joe, Joe Philbin have said some kind things to Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones and whoever the powers that be that made this decision for Dallas. So uh, the Dallas Cowboys were my NFC Super Bowl pick, so um, I, I, I do have some rooting interest there. Um, At least you can get one of them possibly, I right? say, is this where I reveal my AFC pick or no? Uh, oh, you hammered the table back uh, during the preseason. I, I vividly remember this. You went through and detailed every single one of your bets that you had on your guy Derek Carr and those oh, pesky Raiders. Pesky Raiders. Hey, if they would just want to finish off that game last Thursday night, they'd be lurking. That's at true. At 6 and 7. Very true. It is a shame that like you watch the Raiders and think, "Wait, we're not going to see DeVonte Adams and Josh Jacobs in the playoffs?" There should be a giraffe for them. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, yeah, the Cowboys some rooting interest for me. Uh Todd McShay's first mock draft revealed 
As the Colts at seven, taking Peter Skaronski. Tackle from Northwestern. Short arm dude, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really looked too much into tackles. I've been so focused on quarterbacks. Yeah, I think we had Dane Brugler mention him when he was on with us a few weeks back there. So. He's got Will Levis right before at number six going to uh, Arizona. So again, a lot to monitor. One thing to note on those draft position, the Colts are currently seventh. Eddie, the Colts are four, eight, and one. There are currently seven teams in the NFL at five and eight. Yeah. So if you start to win, you're going to drop in the draft order significantly, significantly, quickly. So, not to scare Colts fans out there, but that is something to keep an eye on. Um, should we get in Twitter questions? Yes, sir. Matt is up first. He says, I'm in the fan camp of always rooting for a win each week, but no, we have to secure some draft positioning. To me, March of 2023 should look like this. Number one, head coach Jeff Saturday back somewhere with the team and or helps evaluate who's correct. Number two, general manager Chris Ballard and or someone from his personnel tree as general manager, Morocco Brown or Ed Dodds. Quarterback Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger combo is back on a shorter leash with a rookie learning from behind them for a year. Number four, the starters. Uh, one to four of these names get traded due to a down slash rebuilding year. Ryan Kelly, Kenny Moore, Stephon Gilmore, DeForest Buckner. What are your predictions mm. of the above one to four positions? Thanks, KB. Boy, that's a lot there. Thank you, Matt, for that. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start by saying not a strong belief on any of them. Like, I 100% think this will happen. I'd probably go with Ballard back as most likely the Ryan Ellinger combo and a rookie learning behind him. I could certainly see that. I'd probably go that second. Again, you got a big financial component with Ryan that would make it difficult to move him. You know, Jeff Saturday, I'll go there as number three. You know, as far as four, it's rare to see guys get traded. You know, he's listing four names there. And Kelly Moore, Gilmore and Buckner, I think if anything, you'd see more kind of cap casualties. And especially if you're not making a GM change. It is very odd. Like when you compare the ML not MLB, but the NBA to like the NFL, it's like guys who are on bad contracts get traded. Right. In the NFL, they don't get traded. They get cut or waived or whatever the terminology you want to use. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's something that um, you just don't typically see. You see more of a restructuring or, again, kind of cap casualty stuff there. But, yeah, that, that that's probably the order that I would um, that I would go with. I know that last pod you spoke about Michael Pittman Jr. and getting a second contract. Are we sure he would want to come back? That's from Tyler. Yes. Yeah. Is my answer. You would say yes, Eddie? Yeah, I remember a couple of weeks ago where uh, Pittman's dad replied to somebody on Instagram and he said that Michael loves Indianapolis and doesn't see himself anywhere else. Although that could have changed because of the recent turn of events of not winning, but I still don't. I still think that Pittman's here long term. Yeah. Um, and, oh, the only caveat I could see is if Ballard doesn't want to pay the money. You know, it, it's it should be noted again. This stuff can be a two way street. 
Um, and a lot of this is why you try and extend these guys before year four, before they can hit the open market. And they appreciate that. The quicker you help them get to the second contract, the guaranteed money, all of that stuff, they're obviously going to like that and appreciate that. Um, you'd really be betting on yourself if you're Michael Pittman. You know, Obviously, he has minimal ties to the Midwest. We should note that. Um, you know, him and his uh, wife, fiance, I, I, I kind of forget exactly what their relationship is, but, you know, they grew up in Southern California and, you know, have strong ties to that area. Um, so would they want to make some sort of move? Do they, are they fans of the direction at quarterback? Um, you know, I tend to think that the Colts are in a position where you just, you almost have to extend them. I, I just, I know that I can, can get a bit dicey and some fans will scoff at what the price tag looks like and all of that, but I just don't think you're in a great skill position situation at receiver for a guy like him. You know, Pierce and Campbell, I think, are very individual guys that just kind of do their own things, and it would create a really, really, really big need at wideout when I'm not sure that's the route that you would go with. But it's probably fair to point out, I mean, Tyler, if you look at last year, A.J. Brown clearly had some issues with Tennessee. I don't think Michael Pittman's earned the right necessarily to express those issues, but do you get to a point where a guy just wants to test the open market. You don't typically see that in the NFL as much as you see it in other leagues. Yeah. But I think it's worth pointing out. Assuming that the Colts actually draft a quarterback this year, David is wondering, are the Colts two or three drafts away from being competitive? Boy, when I hear the word competitive, Eddie, I think that's such a low bar. Like, aren't the Jags competitive this year? Well, you could argue that the Colts have not been competitive this year. Sure, but you know, I mean, they're probably like a couple of wins away from being competitive. And again, where are you competitive? Are you talking AFC South? Or are you talking AFC? Those are two different barometers right now. You know, David, if you hit at quarterback at some point and you're able to support the offensive line, you you, you really should be back pretty soon. Now, again, hitting at quarterback in that rookie contract is the big question. Um, but you know, when you look at and go back to that 2020 draft, there weren't very many growing pains for Cincinnati post-ACL for Burrow. There weren't very many growing pains for my Miami still won, even when Tua was going through his kind of up-and-down nature. You know, 9 and 10 wins um, in, I think, each of those first two seasons, and then this year we'll see how it plays out. And then the Chargers, um, again, from a competitive standpoint, they're not that far off. So... I guess a lot of it, again, defines where you want to be competitive within the AFC hierarchy. Yeah, you are probably two or three. But within the AFC South, gosh, I'd like to think you could be competitive very quickly. Yeah. I don't. Who from the AFC South do you sit here right now and say, I'm betting on this team winning 11 football games in 2023? I mean, the easy answer here is Jacksonville. With the strides that Trevor Lawrence has made over the last three, four weeks. And and still, Eddie, you don't want to bet that with your own money. Well, and they get Calvin Ridley back next year. And, and still, I think I, I don't know if that's like a slam dunk. You know, it, it's, right. You'd feel much more confident in betting that type of money for eleven wins on every other division than you would. Yeah. The AFC South certainly. Also depends on what schedule they get next year for non-conference. That is too. Yeah. Definitely. Do you know which division it is next year? Um. If you had. To- Boy, I would guess, yeah. Who was it last year? I guess AFC North. I mean, this year it's the AFC West and the NFC East. I would guess AFC North and maybe NFC North. 
I think by process of elimination. Who was last year? Which division was last year? You remember? Like not this season, the year before that. Correct. Yeah. Let's see. Last year you played Carson Wentz's division. Is that right? Or Carson Wentz is your quarterback. You played. Didn't Brady come here? Yeah. No, that no, was preseason. You didn't play that, Ryan. I don't know. It was the Rams, so it was the West. My head's exploding. Oh, yeah, Rams and Seahawks out of the gate. NFC yeah. West. So, yeah, NFC North, something like that. Yep. Uh, Cameron is next. He says, assuming the Colts win one more game all year, that being against the Houston Texans, it's entirely possible that they finish in the four spot behind Houston, Chicago, and Denver. In this scenario, do you have to trade up from four to get to two to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? I'm really worried at this point if that happens, Chris Ballard will trade down, and I will probably go play in traffic. Well, I don't. Now, it's worth noting in that mock draft that I talked about with, um, not Kuyper, Tom McShay, thank you. He had uh, C.J. Stroud going fourth in that draft, not second. Interesting. So, it went young one and then no quarterback till four? Correct. He had Will Anderson, and then I can't remember the other player that he had at two. Yeah, Cameron, I would say please don't play in traffic is where I'd start. You know, it's going to be a debate that you come – that, that, that you're going to have to have come draft time of do you feel like you got to get to two or do you wait? You know, we brought up that 2020 draft earlier. I mean, Tua and Herbert fell to five and six respectively. And as Eddie mentioned, Chase Young at two and Je- Jeffrey Akuda at three and Andrew Thomas at four. You know, so much of that is you got to gain intel from around the league. I'm a big believer in that you got to go up and get the guy. I, I just, I think waiting runs the risk. You hear the stories about, oh, the New Orleans Saints were going to take Patrick Mahomes. Had he fallen to them? Well, the Chiefs had some intel. They felt like they had to get above him. I think Mahomes helped out the Chiefs with that intel, if uh, if I have the story correct. Um, and I think that's kind of the slippery slope that you run with there. So the beauty of it is you do have some teams above you right now that, again, are not necessarily quarterback-needy teams in Chicago and Philly. Um, and we'll see how Detroit and Arizona fall into that mix where it's not necessarily a slam dunk. But go back to what I said earlier, man. You got seven teams at five and eight. Seven teams right now at five and eight. If the Colts mess around and win two here or three, they're gonna be they're gonna be in the teens. And it's gonna cost them more of their future. Yep. Scary. Scary in my opinion. It also depends on which quarterback they love too, because if they if they love Anthony Richardson, then they can get him in that ten to twelve range. Yeah. Which is where they could be if they win one or two games. It's a good point. Uh, Jalen Carter was the other guy that I was forgetting that McShay had in uh, that the top four. The big dude four. from Georgia? Yeah, he's being compared to as one of the best defensive lineman prospects since Aaron Donald. That's high praise. Yeah, it is. Jason's Twitter question is next. On the subject of pain, based on what you've seen, what would you suppose the Jacoby Brissett-led Colts record would be this season, assuming the same coaches were in place as they have been so far this season? Yeah, boy, I try to get past imagining Jacoby Brissett-led football teams and their win total. I, seven? I know. You think? Is that too high? I was going to say, like, Five. Well, I mean, they're on pace to win about five now, and I don't know. I think Jacoby may would have been a little steadier. I mean, the thing that Jacoby did a nice job of, even his one year here, is he protected the football well. Yeah. And that obviously was an issue. It's not like you're creating or you have created these big plays with Matt Ryan. That's something that Jacoby did not do. But 
Um, so yeah, I, I I would go uh I would go on that front seven ish. What the percent. with the update to the peanut punch rule? Does this change potentially make Shaq Leonard's contract a red flag? This is from Tyler. What makes him worth a big contract, in my opinion, if his turnover ability? But will this rule change turn his big plays into penalties, or is that an overreaction from me? Yeah, and again, I will raise my hand a little bit. When Tyler sent this to me, I was kind of unfamiliar. Had you heard about this, Eddie? No, I have not. Sounds like they would like to make a little altering to the, yes, the Peanut Tillman, Charles Tillman punch. And I don't know, I guess, how that's officiated, or maybe that's going to become a penalty. I don't know. It seems a bit stupid to me, I guess. I mean, you are punching players, and if you miss the ball, then you would punch the player, but whatever. Um, I have more questions about his health and effectiveness before we get to any sort of punching of footballs out. Yeah. You know, I just, I think that's where I'm at with Leonard right now. Um, So, uh, Tyler, it's a fair point to bring up. I mean, a slight overreaction, if anything, but for me, it's let's start with how healthy he looks because he didn't look healthy. And let's get him back on the field first. Let's start there. And then you can kind of get into some of the intricacies. I, I I will say this: I think Leonard just his subtleties and his ability to make those plays just unbelievable, unbelievable when he did it. So I would like to think that that rule change wouldn't impact him too much. But again, I'll have to look into that. Steve, with a very interesting question uh, okay. in, to- in today's world of fantasy football, he says, in a hypothetical fantasy football keeper league scenario, what seven players would you retain from this year's Colts roster? Bonus question, which one member of the coaching staff are you keeping? And the caveat to the seven players that you keep, KB, three on the offensive side, three on the defensive side, and one special teams. Oh, boy. Um... Okay, so I assume I'm absorbing their age and their contract? Sure. Okay. Although in fantasy football, you don't have contracts, so. Three on offense, I'd go with... I'd go either Bernard Ryman or Braden Smith. Probably go with Braden Smith. I'd go with Michael Pittman, and I'd go with Jelani Woods. Really? Interesting. Who would you go with offense? I agree with you on Braden Smith. I would go Pittman, and I would probably go JT. Although yeah, JT is like the out of those don't value running back like that man. Right, I was about to say out of those three, though, running back is like the easiest replaceable out of those three. But I think I think JT's you know a top tier back in the league. That's fair. Um. Now, what three defensive players would you take? I'd go Buckner. I think he's got some staying power into his late 20s, early 30s. I'd go with Quiddy. Got to hope his health cooperates, but that position just means too much. The third one I'd go with, you know what, Eddie? I would go with Isaiah Rogers. I think he can play corner at a pretty high level. I agree. Um, linebacker to me, again, I just don't value that too, too much. Safety, I ugh. I don't know. The the I love Julian Blackman, but the injury history worries me there. Yeah. Who, who would you go with on the defensive side of the ball? Big Grove. You go with Grove? Yeah. I, I just I thought kind of Grove or Buckner. I went with Grover just because he's a little younger. Okay. Contract's a little easier. 
Totally fine. To build around. Um, I would go Quiddy as well. And then that third one is an interesting. Do you go corner or do you go linebacker? Um, to me, I go linebacker because I think it, stopping the run is such a big part of the NFL because, you know, we've heard Frank Reich and numerous other coaches talk about this. And the big success in the red zone is being able to run the football. And if you have a linebacker who's able to, you know, go up in the line of scrimmage, make a couple tackles, and that's the way I go. And I'd probably go Bobby O because I think he's good in coverage too. Yeah, I I could hear some other, certainly some other names. I mean, again, I'm picking a guy that's not even a full-time starter, but I just think his age and, again, corner and, you know, contract-wise, that probably factors into it. Special teams, I'd go Rigoberto or Matt Hawk, whichever is under contract. Yeah, 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 that's probably the route I would go to. Luke Rhodes, close second. (laughs) Yeah. Kicker. Yeah, Chase, obviously his stats have been pretty good this year, but still, I'm not... 100% 100% sold on like he's definitely the kicker of the future. All right, can you help me with his next name? Uh, who we got here? V? Yeah. Let's go with V. Yeah. V, I'm sorry, we're not going to try and butcher your name. Vinock, maybe? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, regarding two of the quarterbacks from last year's draft, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, uh, do you think the Colts should go after them this offseason if they become available? It would cost much less draft capital if you had to move up. You would be getting them on their rookie con- on their rookie contracts, and they both use their legs if needed. A name I'd like to add to make it three, Jordan Love. Oh, interesting. Um. I'd go Trey Lance more than Wilson. I would too. Uh, again, the BYU to New York, the skepticism—I I was just kind of skeptical about that. Some off the field, of course. I just worry about the scar tissue. The locker room. Yeah. Again, you know, Tannehill is really the only one that's worked out when you think about it from a retread top ten pick standpoint. Um, and I just don't remember Tannehill having the same sort of. Miami backlash that maybe Carson Wentz had in Philly Mm -hmm. or Zach Wilson is starting to have in New York. So if it's an either or there, I'm going Trey Lance. Uh, Two questions left. Tyler is next, and and he says, after decompressing from that fourth quarter against the Cowboys, I know that the last pod you spoke about Pitt. Oh, we already got that one in there. We got it in there twice. Missed. I forgot to. That's on Take me. It, out. it was either you or me. I don't know. I'll, I'll take the blame. Uh, last question then. Garrett, I'm sure I wasn't alone in having high expectations for this year's team. And with each season beginning, the Colts hope for success. But I don't want to get ahead of myself in thinking that a new quarterback or offensive line combination could be the magic fix for this team. What do you believe is the best and the worst in the realistic case for the timeline of the Colts' improvement and how much of your outlook depends upon draft position in April. Yeah, I'd say a good amount, Garrett. I mean, the quarterback O-line combination in the first two rounds, I, I, I hear you. Um, you know, Can you bolster O-line at all through free agency? I think that's something that you have to look, look into. Um, you know, I, I think like the worst-case scenario is this. Your quarterback... Your rookie quarterback kind of teases you throughout that rookie contract. You get four years into it. You pick up that fifth-year option, and then you realize he's not the guy. Honestly, what Miami felt with with, with Tannehill is probably a big thing. The best-case scenario is it's like you know, a lot of these 
AFC quarterbacks that have gotten their respective teams to the playoffs on the rookie deal. Mahomes and Allen and Jackson and Burrow and, you know, it looks like out of Tua, Tua looks like they're a playoff team. We'll see about Justin Herbert and the Chargers. You know, that's kind of the best case scenario to where you're winning and building with that rookie QB, rookie contract quarterback, where financially you're in a really great spot. You feel like the growth of that position is there. Again, you're learning how to win. I thought that was huge about the luck era is you made those progressions in 2011, excuse me, 2012, 13, and 14 of one step further in the playoffs each year. Um, similar to the early part of the Manning era is you got a taste of success in the postseason, and I thought that helped you majorly for future success um, when you were able to win it all in 2006. Is that every, everybody? That is all. Um, I guess it's prediction time, right? Oh, we're doing predictions this week? This is our today. lone pod of said week here. Again, it's an early four point. I think it opened at four and a half. Christian Derisaw is expected to be back for Minnesota. He was uh, cleared, I think, of concussion protocol yeah. against the Lions, but they held him out, held him out a week just to be safe. So was Garrett Bradbury, um, and it looked like uh, what's his name, Harrison Smith, should be good to go on that front. Eddie Garrison, give us a prediction. Uh, I have a quick question before I get to that. Do, do the Colts have anybody that's able to contain Justin Jefferson? Well, I think him and Gilmore. Kind of, kind of get your popcorn ready for for, for that one. I, I would expect that. Um, I'm excited for that. Easily the individual individual matchup that I'm looking forward to the most. Um, but so, prediction, yeah, I, I, I would say Gilmore. Totals 48 and a half. Vikings are a four point favorite. Man, I was shocked by that line. I mean, it's just tough to gauge. You know, like. Minnesota defense gives up the most yards in the NFL, and their offense hasn't been totally great. The Colts' defense has been good. I, I'm going to take the under. I just can't figure out what score I want to put on it yet. All right, you, you want me to chime in here? Yeah, you go first. I'll go 27-20 Vikes. Again, it's a very poor defense right now in Minnesota. They've got some issues. It's a short week. There's a lot of evidence, I think, points to the Colts coming out of the bye week, having the ability to – make this a game, again, I still probably wouldn't feel totally comfortable um, taking the Colts at plus four in this one, um, so that's a little surprising, but you know there are some things that a 10-3 and Vikings team is not, I think they're the only 10-3 and football team in the history of the NFL to have a non-positive point differential. They're not positive now? At this point of the season, I'm pretty sure that was the case, so. Um, oh yeah, they are minus one. We need a prediction from you. I got to run. I will take Minnesota 24-20. He's Eddie Garrison. I am Kevin Bowen. We're very close on the score now that I think about that. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it's week 15, Colts and Vikings, 1 o'clock on Saturday. We'll recap it coming back. NFL Network. Monday NFL Network for you on Saturday afternoon. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week here on Kevin's Corner.